Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. How long does it take to get over a breakup? Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Kate Balistrieri, the host of the Get Naked with Dr. Kate podcast. And today we're going to be answering this listener question, how long does it take to get over a breakup? And joining me to dive into everything good, bad and ugly about breakups is Rachel Overvall. Rachel is a somatic sex coach at Modern Intimacy, and she's a two-time author author of the book, Finding Feminism, and also a new amazing resource for healing from breakups called The Breakup Journal. Welcome, Rachel. I'm so excited that you're here. Hi, I'm excited to be here. And we should just jump right in with the answer to that question, I guess. Do you have an answer for that question, like a hard and fast answer? My answer is that there isn't an answer. So my answer is going to be very annoying for the person who asked that question. It's because the reality is that grief is not linear. Grief is not a singular timeline that we walk through or this hierarchical idea of we process this and this and this. Grief is a really unknown journey to all of us. And I've had breakups where I dated someone for three months and I've been more devastated than people I dated for years. And Mm. I know other people who have had similar experiences. It's not a definitive timeline the best we can do is be reminiscent of the progress we're making as we move through it i really like that answer it's so true i think sometimes we get really surprised by just how hurt and how devastated it can feel to have a breakup even if the relationship was one that you knew had to end and wasn't the right fit for you But maybe let's take a step back and get a little curious about how somebody might know it's time to initiate a breakup. Like, when do you know Mm -hmm. a relationship has had its best moments and it's a good time to start winding it down? What are the signs you look for? Mm -hmm. I think a really key sign is if you start to notice that your spark is dulling or the liveliness you used to feel within yourself is not there anymore. 
do I feel stifled in any way? And it could be because of the other person or it could just be because of the relationship dynamics. It doesn't necessarily mean the person you're with is bad or harming you. Um, that's a huge sign is, am I, am I dulling myself in this moment? I think another sign is noticing your body. Your body tells you a lot about when it's time to break up. Can you listen to your body and notice when I am not wanting to maybe physically connect with my partner anymore? And that never was something that happened. Can I notice that as I'm starting to talk to someone, um, I'm having difficulty sharing my emotions because there's actually something deeper I want to say, but I'm too scared to say it. How do you differentiate between some of those cues to mean that it's time to end a relationship versus maybe it's difficult for you to be more direct with your feelings, or maybe you have had some trauma in your background. And so you experience kind of intermittent wanting with another person or wanting touch from another person. I think some of those signs might be really obvious, but some might be a little confusing with other and have other meanings. Yeah, absolutely. I think if to go from those first examples I used, you have to have first learned how to regulate your nervous system as best as possible and understand when your body is acting in a way of present protection versus reactive protection to things that happened before that your body's scared of. So am I reacting right now because I know in this moment this isn't right for me? Or am I reacting because I have unprocessed trauma that's coming up in this moment? So that's something that every individual should go on their own journey of what is my present reaction? Is it a current threat or is it a past threat that I haven't processed? Hmm. Yeah, that feels like a really important differential. And I think it's also key to think about things like, have your deal breaker boundaries been crossed? And I don't know about you, but I know in, in my earlier years, I have been super guilty of giving people infinite chances <laughs> to not break my boundaries again or not cross my boundaries again and have given them the benefit of the doubt to a fault, really hoping that one more conversation might just turn the light on or one more conversation might drive po home the point of how hurt I was by this thing happening in the relationship, whatever that thing may have been. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to look at bottom line boundaries and deal breaker boundaries being crossed, especially if someone knows those boundaries are important to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And also like are our core values in alignment do we have the same core values? Because core values are something that don't really change about who we are. To me, it might be really important that I have a partner that's resilient to someone else that might not be a priority. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important, especially when we look at core values around how to be in relationships, because a lot of folks will share values around how they approach money, for example, or how they approach spirituality or hanging out with friends, they might be really aligned in a lot of those areas of life. But when it comes to how they approach relationships, one partner might have a value of don't disrupt the boat, right? Don't upend the apple cart or whatever that phrase and saying is, mm -hmm. um, where they avoid conflict at all costs. And that's the way they've been 
conditioned to keep the peace in relationships. And the other person might have a value that direct feedback is the best strategy. And that is going to be really hard for the two of them to approach the relationship with a common understanding because by definition, their values on how to address conflict are so different that they're likely going to trigger one another unless they have really clear communication around how to navigate both of their approaches simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. I think core values is a huge piece to look at when you're deciding, is it time to leave or not? And core yeah. values also lead into, do we want the same life? Like, do we, do I want kids and you don't? Do I want to eventually have my parents move in with me and to take care of them? And that's, you never want to have a multi-generational home, right? Those are all things to talk about and decide, are the visions we have for our life the same? And are they things that I'm willing to compromise or negotiate around or not? Yeah. That's a great point. A lot of people might start in different places on some of those topics, but in understanding each other and having different conversations, they might be able to negotiate where they can reach a common ground. But sometimes it's just a really hard impasse and that might be a deal breaker. So once someone has decided to end a relationship or the relationship has been ended um, without their participation in it, what are some of the things that people can expect to think, feel, and go through during the initial mm. breakup stage? I think there's always a point where people typically have hope of maybe if we just separate for a little bit of time, we can get back together. I think that's a common stage that I see in my own life with clients. Um, another stage is going to be anger and frustration there might be stages of joy and happiness as well. We'll move through a lot of emotions. The important part is that as we're moving through the emotions, we're noticing them without judgment. So if I'm happy today and I cannot get out of bed tomorrow and can't stop crying, that doesn't mean I went backwards. It is that I am just in this sad place today and that's okay. How can I sit here with this place that I'm in of not being able to get out of bed and crying and feeling broken? And how can I just live here without judging it and be okay with this is just a part of grief? Yeah. Yeah. I heard the, the stages of grief as you were talking through that, maybe denial, maybe mm -hmm. some anger, maybe some bargaining, maybe depression mm -hmm. before people can get to acceptance. I also think that ambivalence is a really important part of the process to name because there are a lot of instances where, again, people know this relationship is not good for me. It's not good for my partner. Like we're not good for each other anymore. And it might hurt like hell to end it, even when you know it's the best choice to move forward mm -hmm. for right now and maybe indefinitely. So I think just owning that it's natural to hold a lot of mixed feelings in that initial stage is super important because not every breakup is born from something really egregious happening. Sometimes you really love a person and it just isn't the right fit for who you are at this point in your life or for who they are and where the two of you want to be. So I think it's really important to have a both and approach. It's not an either or. I'm not angry or sad. You can be angry and sad. You can be hopeful for your future and sad for your future. 
all at the same time. Absolutely holding all of the duality of it and recognizing Mm -hmm. that relationships are super nuanced and so are breakups. Mm -hmm. Breakups are also very nuanced. I think that's where a lot of times we can get into sticky situations is asking our friends for advice during a breakup and they'll compare it to an experience that they had. But all of our relationships are really personal and different. None of our experiences are totally going to match someone else's. And the ways that we respond to our partners or our partners respond to us are also really unique to our relationships. And they're different than the relationships that our friends might tell us about. So true. Well, that brings up a really good question. If you are a friend supporting somebody going through a breakup, what are some do's and don'ts to being a great support? A a very great question to ask them is, do you want me to just listen to you or do you want me to give you advice? That goes for this Mm. and just general communication skills. (laughs) But do you want me to listen and just validate you or do you want me to give you advice? Okay. And when I think about the friends that have been the most helpful to me when I've gone through breakups, it's not the friends who have reach down their hand when I'm in the pit and like tried to pull me out. It's the friends who have climbed into the pit with me and like, I'm going to sit here as long as you need. I'm going to sit in the pain with you. I'm not going to try to pull you out of this. We're just going to be here together. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really important piece as a friend is, can I just sit with you and be with you and validate you and not tell you, well, they're such a jerk. So of course you broke up. Like, I don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that right now. Sometimes you just want someone to commiserate with you and validify the emotions that you're going through. So really just being there and recognizing that your friend might take a long time to go through this. It also might be quick. You don't know. And as a friend, can I be okay with being with you on this journey as you're going through it? Yeah. I love that. I think friends are so amazing around this time. And also they can really, they can really drive you into behavior. If you're not paying attention to your own autonomy, um, that maybe later you might say like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Like I think about how easy it can be for friends to encourage you to get back out in the dating scene right away. And you might not feel ready for it. And maybe you don't really trust yourself and trust if you're ready or not. So your friends might be pushing you to do it because they know how amazing you are and they want you to be happy. But I do think it's really important to be able to have some boundaries with your friends too. If you're really not feeling like you have the oomph for whatever their recipe is for you getting better Mm -hmm. to let them know like, Hey, I actually just need I just need to be down for a little while. I just need to sit in my grief or I just need to not go out and try and fix it. And that can be okay too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point of trust. That's another piece of going through a breakup is you have to learn how to trust yourself again, because Mm -hmm. at some point going through the process of a breakup or going through the relationship, you probably violated your own trust and betrayed your own trust in things that you noticed or in things that you were ambivalent towards and not ready to make decisions about 
or and maybe the way in which you entered the relationship and were hopeful for someone's potential. Yeah. So a big piece of it is also how can I learn how to trust myself again? Well, how do people learn how to trust themselves again so that either they aren't overlooking the things that, that intuitively maybe are coming up for them as flags, um, red flags, orange flags, yellow, yellow flags? Um, and how do they know when they can trust themselves to feel ready to kind of go back out into the world and maybe date again? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I would recommend is going out again with immense clarity of these are these are the things that I know I want in a partnership, or these are the things I know I want right now. If you're not ready for a partnership, I know that this is what I'm looking for right now. And make sure that you feel strong enough to advocate for yourself as you're dating and set boundaries and adhere to your boundaries as you're dating. Those are all going to help you rebuild that trust. And when I say clarity, I mean, deep clarity, not just, I want to feel safe. What does that mean to you? What does that look like? Like, or I want someone that makes me laugh. What does that mean? Like, what do you want to go to see comedy shows together? Do you want someone who has a dry sense of humor and kind of pokes fun at you because that feels intimate? Do you want someone who is goofy and loud and outgoing? What, what does this really mean to you when you say this? And so immense clarity on what these things mean to you that you want. I really love that. Um, This is one of my favorite things to do uh, with folks who are coming down from a breakup and thinking about getting ready to date again, is to have them list out on multiple pages of paper, like make this as big as you need it to be. But what are all the green flags, the things that you really are saying yes to enthusiastically about a person, their personality traits, their characteristics, their values, their behaviors, what are the things that you know for you feel really good in in a relationship? Or even if you're just kind of into something casual, great, let's map that out too. What are the yellow flags that maybe start to pique your curiosity? And this is a great time to draw on the wisdom of previous relationships and look at what were the things in hindsight that maybe I just sort of said, eh, that's not a big deal to in isolation. But later I realized these were, elements in a bigger pattern that didn't work for me. So start by identifying those things. And then what are the big red flags or your deal breakers? You might have a a deal breaker that you don't make time for someone for same day plans in the first six months that you're dating. That's really good to know about yourself, right? Like maybe historically, you've been around folks who you didn't feel prioritized you or the relationship. Well, it's a good opportunity then to say, okay, Last minute plans for me feel like deprioritization. For other people, they might feel really fun and invigorating, but for you, they feel like you're being deprioritized. So you might include that as like an orange flag or a red flag so that you're not falling down on yourself or abandoning yourself and really holding firm that that's not the kind of relationship you want, right? And can I advocate for myself? So say someone is trying to make day of plans. Can I, do I feel comfortable saying like, that's actually something that makes me feel deprioritized. I'm looking for this. Is this something that you're looking for? Mm -hmm. And use it as a conversation to have with them as an opener, not as like, you're not doing this, so I'm out. Like they might not know that that's important to you. And they might've dated someone else before who loved the spontaneity. Mm -hmm. So- 
can you communicate that? And is the person willing to see your need and meet you there too? Mm, I love that. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Let Green Chef take the work out of eating clean with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. The Green Market is the Mindful Eater's one-stop shop for high-quality, carefully curated goods. Choose from grab-and-go breakfasts, brunch kits, 10-minute lunches, ready-to-eat snacks, veggie sides, and so much more. Embark on a delicious culinary adventure this year with Green Chef's diverse menu. Each week, choose from 80 or more flavor-packed options. You can easily customize your meals to suit your lifestyle with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, or protein-packed. As someone who is a self-proclaimed foodie, I have to say being too busy to cook really grinds my gears. So Green Chef has been a lifesaver in giving me variety, well-attuned meals that are healthy, fast, and delicious. So go to greenchef.com slash 60 get naked and use code 60 get naked to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Go to greenchef.com slash 60 get naked and use code 60 get naked to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the two brands and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Addy. Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy, or Flibansarin, is FDA-approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. So if you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today, or go to Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addy. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, 
difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep and dry mouth. See full PI and medication guide, including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Go to addy.com and use code GETNAKED for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if Addy is right for you. Well, back to breakups. I think one of the most challenging elements of a breakup is getting to know yourself again as a person separate from the relationship that you were in, especially if it was a relationship that was really meaningful to you or happened over a long period of time. I think you you tend to interweave yourself into the relationship and a big part of your identity is the we that came from being a part of this union, this, this relationship, this dynamic. So figuring out who you are again somebody who's been influenced by this relationship, but is no longer a part of it can be really challenging. And I'm curious, Rachel, what are some of the ways you've helped people start to get to know themselves again? I think the first thing too is uh, really identify that you're not the same person as before the breakup too. I, I hear a lot of clients, and I've even been guilty of saying this, like, I just want to feel like myself again, but you're not that person anymore because this person has had a big impact in your life. You have changed, and now you are rediscovering who you are, and you're going to be different, and that's okay. So instead of, I want to get back to who I am, can I get excited about meeting the new version of me, or what's the new version of me going to be? What is she like, or he, or they? So some great ways to get to know yourself again is to start to ritualize your life. What are things that I deprioritized in my relationship that actually are big, important pieces of my ritual? Maybe it's going to the gym every day. Maybe it's morning meditation. Maybe it's going back to your guitar lessons and learning how to play guitar. Maybe it's, I used to read a book every week and I stopped doing that. Or I read my tarot cards every morning, or I was training for a marathon and I stopped what are the rituals that were important to you before, or maybe even you were curious about before, but you never actually prioritized? And can you start to play with these rituals and find out which ones feel in alignment for you? Some that you had before might not feel good anymore. That's okay. Can you play and find other ones that feel right for you? That's a huge piece. And another big piece is dating yourself is can I, learn how to be comfortable dating myself going. Maybe that means I love the theater. So I'm going to go to see a musical on my own, or I'm just going to take myself to get a drink or to a, a cup of coffee or to dinner at my favorite restaurant. Can I be okay learning how to date myself and finding peace in the presence that I have on my own? Mm-hmm. Because when you learn how to cultivate a life of peace on your own, you do have a lot of boundaries around who gets access into your life. It is a piece that becomes extremely expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the cost of entry rises when you really learn to be okay in your own skin. Yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, the term for dating yourself was floating around. It was called master dating. <laughs> Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that term. It's brilliant, right? I think you become a master at knowing yourself, at giving yourself pleasure, giving yourself romance. And again, when you really do take the time to take care of yourself in those ways, it gives you permission to be a lot more discerning about who and how to let people into your life moving forward. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So last big question, how do you recommend people go about having a breakup in a way that really honors the relationship that they had and is a respectful way to say goodbye? Do you have any thoughts Mm -hmm. and tips? So I think a lot of people just kind of are like, this isn't working for me. I got to (laughs) go. And it's really hard. They don't want to hurt someone else. They might blow up the relationship with some chaos so that it's unconsciously easier to step away. But if we're going to break up consciously, what are some things that that can happen? Well, the first thing is both partners have to be emotionally mature enough to break up consciously. If I'm trying to break up consciously with someone who is reactive or eruptive or defensive or stonewalls and shuts down, I can do the best I can with in alignment with my own integrity, but it's still probably going to be a messy breakup. So recognize what, what do I have control over in this and, and how do I want to leave this relationship? What, what legacy of my own integrity do I want to leave this relationship with? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that means checking your own trauma responses before you react and noticing how can I show up in a way that's outside of reactivity and is in a way of empathy and love? Because even if we break up with someone who we've maybe fallen out of love with, we still do love these people. They, I, and this is the hopeful romantic in me, but I think we always love the people that we once loved romantically. We just mm-hmm. they operate different parts of our heart, but we always have love for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're going to do it consciously, let's say both partners have availability and resourcing and access to do this, coming to the table with a timeline, if you live together, or if you cohabitate, or if you share property or dogs or anything like that, what's the timeline that we're going to do this in? What feels right for us? Um And maybe the timeline is I actually want just like one more month together for us to date and for us to do a couple things we had planned. And at the end of the month, we can say goodbye. But it's important that we have one last really great date and that we do go on that trip that we planned together and we just make it really special and we leave with really great memories. It might be I actually need to leave now because it's going to be too painful for me to hold on. So determine the timeline that feels right for you and and for them, what feels good for both of you. Mm-hmm. And also, can I, can I leave this relationship with empathy? Can I operate in this, the way I'm communicating that with them? Can I do it empathetically, recognizing that this is painful? And a lot of times when we're in pain, it's hard for us to be our most integral self. So can I be empathetic to maybe anything that they might do that I know isn't really them or and vice versa? Can I be empathetic to myself if I do show up reactively? Yeah, I love that. I think if you can, if you can hold space for each other in this way, it can also really be nice to have a little bit of a, a proactive um, debrief. And what I mean by that is, can you take some time and have a conversation where you both own your part in what made the relationship wonderful and what made the relationship not compatible? 
anymore? Can you give that gift to one another so that, you know, there isn't a lot of confusion about what, you know, did my partner understand this or did, did they really get why this hurt me? Like really, if you can take some ownership over the things that, that were yours to, to own in the relationship, not working. And I also think it's really beautiful to have a little bit of a gratitude ceremony at the end, right? What did you learn from each other in this relationship? What are you taking away from your time together that made you better people, right? Did your partner teach you all about jazz and now you have a wild affection for Coltrane or Miles Davis or any, you know, of those old standards. And that's something you're really taking away and you're so grateful for it because you now love that music. Um, did your partner teach you how to fight fair? And now you have a more mature way of approaching a relationship dynamic. You know, did someone help you with an ailing parent? And you will forever remember them and their generosity in those moments. I think it's important that we have a different way of saying goodbye that really honors why you were together in the first place. And sometimes that can make it more difficult to say goodbye, but it also can provide so much closure and so much peace and a path forward to having a friendly dynamic moving forward, which is especially important if you share children or if you have friends in common, or if you're going to be rotating a dog between your care, right? Mm -hmm. These are important, mm -hmm. important reasons to end with grace when it's safe Absolutely. to do so. Mm -hmm. Yes, when it's safe. I had a few years ago, I had like the best breakup ever. We both realized it wasn't working and we decided to like have one last month together and make it really special. And on our last night, we each like exchanged letters and I still have that letter. And it's something I look at frequently. Um, it was a really beautiful way to honor the relationship for what it was and how great it was for both of us. And also recognize that it wasn't the long-term plan for either of our lives and that's okay. Yeah, that is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, what are a couple of tips, Rachel, that you would give to someone who's sitting in, in like the gallows of a breakup right now? They're in it. They're in the pain. There's so much despair. They're having a hard time seeing the light at the end of it. These are going to be, I'm going to come out with the hot takes first. They're probably okay. the ones that you don't want to do. Okay. Block them on social media, like just block them. It's not, it's not helpful for you to see them when you're in that place. It's not helpful for you to wonder what they're doing or see their highlight reel of happiness when you're feeling really down, just block them. It's okay. And then also go no contact. This is a hard thing to do, but it's really important. Even if you end the relationship well, that relationship that I mentioned, we went no contact for six months still because I knew otherwise it was going to be too easy to get back intertwined with it. Mm -hmm. um, going no contact, no social media stalking or looking at it. And one of the things I tell my clients is when they, let's say they look at their ex's social media and they're like, I feel so much worse. And I just remind them, yes, and you deserve to feel good. So don't make choices that don't allow you to feel good. You deserve <laughs> so, to feel good. Yeah. Do not crucify yourself on purpose. <laughs> 
So those would be the two things. The other thing is find pleasure in the ways that you can. And I'm talking about pleasure through a body-based perspective, a sensation, sensationalized experience of I'm experiencing pleasure in my body. And yes, maybe that's sex or solo sex or partnered sex, but also maybe it's I'm listening to music or I'm going for a walk or I'm stretching or I'm just breathing with my hands on my chest or taking a bath. But experience sensationalized pleasure because what that really does is teaching you and your body that yes i might feel despair but i'm still capable of happiness i'm still capable of joy and both can live with me at the same time despair does not have to be the only thing i feel i can also feel pleasure amazing would you like to have a shameless plug for your breakup journal and talk about how it can be a useful resource because i find it so valuable Yes. Um, so I, the breakup journal just came out and a lot of the exercises that Kate and I talked about today are in the breakup journal. So I know the one you mentioned that you do with your clients, that there's a version of that in there. Um, the dating yourself, there's a way to track that in an idea place for it. There's also places for you to write letters to your ex and, and write whatever you need to say that you never got to say. And there's places for you to practice somatic exercises, which we talked just a little bit about now with the pleasure. It's a really holistic approach to moving through a breakup. And it's I've never seen anything like it, which is why I wanted to create it. And so I'm really excited that it's a resource out there. And if you're a friend listening to this, this is a great thing to give to a friend that's going through a breakup. Maybe you don't know what to do and you don't know how to help and you feel lost. Give them this book. Yeah. This is a great resource for them. I remember when you and I were talking about you creating this journal, we were laughing about how there are a lot of really great breakup journals out there, but what they were missing is this focus on somatic resourcing. So you've really woven that into the front part of the journal. And there are all these exercises to help people get back in their bodies in a really empowered way and really move through the feelings, not just think about them. And I think that's an important distinction because when we are going through a breakup, oh my gosh, I think I've lost years of my life ruminating about breakups, right? Mm. And if there's a way to interrupt that rumination, it's through the body and it's through engaging your sensory experiences and your, and your movement opportunities in different ways to kind of get out of your head a little bit. So I love the resource for that above everything else that's amazing in it. Thank you. Yeah, that was a big thing that I was realizing as I was going through my recent breakup. I, I think I know I've talked to some other clinicians that feel this sometimes when we're going through something, it also coincides with our clients going through a lot of the same things. So at the same time, I also had a lot of clients that were going through breakups. And so I'm reading all these breakup books, trying to find resourcing for them and for myself and so few of the books actually had practical steps of what to do. It's like, go on a date with yourself. That's it. Or choose to love yourself. Great. But like, how do I do that? How do I yeah. learn to trust myself again? How do I connect to my body in a meaningful way again, when I might feel scared of my body after this experience, or I might feel incredibly disconnected. And so this book is really like the field manual, how to guide if this is what you're going to do to get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what you said just reminded me of something. I think sometimes when a breakup happens because there's been a betrayal, it can leave people feeling really outside of their bodies. 
because they feel they often feel like the person they were partnered with is someone that they didn't really know that well. And just that contrast of uh, not really knowing who you were with and not really believing what you thought were truths about the relationship can feel really um, alienating in your own skin and in your own body. So having some practical resourcing skills to get back into your body in a way that is guided by you so that you can really be overseeing all of that data that comes up, right, about how you feel physically, emotionally, physiologically in your body. That's data you can start to trust again. And it's so important to have some kind of resourcing skills at your disposal to help you kind of get back in a way that feels integrated because it can feel so shattering and so fragmenting to end a relationship at all, but especially if it's ended on hard terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's also why it's just so important to actually do the processing that comes along with a breakup and not just Mm -hmm. intellectualizing it. Mm -hmm. You might be three months into your breakup and I don't feel any better, but, and I, and I've done all the things, but have you, actually processed it or are you just intellectualizing everything that happened because intellectualizing doesn't get us to the other side we actually have to feel it and process it and move through it yep yep we have to move through it but we also have to move it through us right and i think that's the processing is like being able to feel the feelings but then allow them to pass through and sometimes help them move through so that they don't get stuck right that stuckness is what creates a lot of rumination and a lot of anxiety and distress. So definitely having a movement practice in whatever way your body can move can be a nice way to have helped those feelings not get so stagnant. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rachel. This was so wonderful. I'm really grateful to have this conversation with you. Um, Where can people reach you if they want to work with you or learn more about any of your books. Thank you. Um, so the books are on Amazon. Um, also to reach me, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Rachel Overval. And if you're interested in working with me, you can schedule a consultation with Modern Intimacy on the website and we'll go from there. Then Take Team will take you to the next steps. Okay. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.